Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter, reading just one verse, John chapter 8 and verse 12. Let's give careful attention to the public reading of God's word. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, your word which is truth. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would now sweeten this word in our hearts and in our minds, that together we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might more enjoy the calling that you have given to us, and that we might honor you more along the path of life. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son, and our Savior, who reigns together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, we're in our uh, series, early on in our series on the seven I am sayings in the Gospel of John. We kind of uh, backed into this series when we were finishing up the prologue to John, John 1, 1 to 18, and we encountered a couple of places where Jesus said things like, before Abraham was, I am. And translations often want to kind of fill in the blank because Jesus should say, I am something, uh, but he just says, I am. And we looked at how that was Jesus' own uh, testimony to the fact that he is the I am of the Old Testament. Uh, we'll touch a little bit more on that just briefly in a moment. Uh, but there are seven places in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am, and then what follows is one metaphor or another. So we looked at, I am the bread, and uh, last time I was here, we were supposed to look at, I am the light, but we took a little detour. Uh, so this morning, we're backing up to that sermon, I am the light. Uh, it's been a, a, a confusing weekend for me. Maybe it's post-traumatic hurricane syndrome or something. But um, my wife and I took the day off on Friday, which made me think it was Saturday. And we went to church yesterday because we were over in the Clearwater area at a funeral for one of my uh, colleagues, retired colleagues, Dr. Sam Kistemacher, who passed away earlier this week. And so I was off on Friday. I was in church on Saturday, and it has just been the hardest thing. I'll be glad when today is over I go back to work because then I'll get back into, uh, into gear. But at any rate, I said to my wife last night, I need to go out, uh, sit on the patio, and uh, get ready for preaching in the morning. So I'm doing all of that, and then I realized that I'm working on next week's sermon. And uh, so I'm glad I did that because it got me to back up. So I, I think I'm on schedule, but not really trustworthy in that regard this morning. But next week, we're going to be working, uh, looking at this sermon, uh, I Am the Gate. But for this morning, I Am the Light, just one verse, and we're simply going to walk our way through this verse. First of all, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And uh, when he says, I am, given that, you know, we're good first century Jews now because of that sermon a couple of uh, uh, 
weeks ago, we hear echoes of Jesus uh, saying, I am the God of Israel. We hear echoes of Exodus 3.12, where God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. And we talked about the fact that in Hebrew grammar, there's a way of saying I am and there's a way of saying he is. And the the Lord's personal name, which you might know as Jehovah or Yahweh, that really means he is. But that's how we address God. We call him he is. Only God can say I am. And so we looked at those places where Jesus said, I am, uh, nothing else, and people fall backward. Uh, People accuse him of blasphemy because they got it. And so even here when he says, I am something, we're hearing those echoes. Uh, John 8, 58, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Not I was, I am. And so at the very beginning, when we hear, I am the light of the world, we hear that echo of Jesus' own testimony to the fact that he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Here he says, I am the light. And uh, light is such, well, light pervades, doesn't it? Uh, Dark room, turn on the light. The light pervades the entire room. In a very similar way, light pervades the entire Bible. It is such a big metaphor that runs like a golden thread from beginning to end. You just have to think of the, the uh, very beginning. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Or you go to the very end of the Bible in Revelation and John says uh, there was no need for a sun or a moon anymore for the glory of God was the light and the lamp uh, was the lamb himself. And so light just it runs all through the Bible. I once mentioned that when I was a really young preacher I had the audacity to try to preach on John 3.16. And what a, what a challenge it is to preach on something that is so simple on the one hand, and yet so deeply profound on the other. And light is very much like that. Uh, as we see in Revelation, the glory of God is the light, and the Lamb is the lamp. We have re- reference to both God and Messiah, and uh, That runs through the Bible as well. God is light. One example, Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And notice the coupling of light and salvation. The Messiah is the light. Isaiah 49, 6, Is it too small a thing for you that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore and preserve the ones of Israel? I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation can reach to the end of the world. God is light, and that light is coupled with salvation. The Messiah is light, and that light is coupled with salvation. And notice how beautifully Isaiah says, uh, I will also make you a light of the nations. 
And so it's no wonder Jesus was a good Old Testament scholar. He had studied the Old Testament scriptures. Remember, as a, as a young boy, he, he studied the scriptures. He grew in wisdom. He grew in knowledge. He, he, um, he was one of those students who baffled his teachers at how wise he was. And so is it any wonder that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. See, he understood what what many had forgotten along the way. He understood that he was not just the light for the Jews. He was also the light for the Gentiles. He understood that the God who said, let there be light, didn't just create a nation at that time, but created all of humanity, which would end up becoming multiple nations, And that that creator would become the redeemer who was not just interested in redeeming a family, but redeeming all of the nations that he had made. Because the redeemer is the creator, the redeemer's redemption is as broad as his creation. No one to be left out. And so the the, the God of Israel is the light and the coming Messiah is the light and they're going to bring salvation and that salvation is not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And along the way, ancient Israel often forgot that. And uh, Israel often forgot that God was in the process of blessing Israel, that Israel, the children of Abraham, might be a blessing to the nations. They often forgot that and just began to realize in their own mind's eye that God was blessing them as an end in and of itself. Well, in the words of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? Easy for us to slip into that same old Israelite pattern, isn't it? Uh, to, to really enjoy and bask in all of the blessings, all of the salvation, all of the grace of God that is ours. And like ancient Israel, to forget the fact that while God does bless us for our enjoyment, he also blesses us that we might be a channel of that blessings to the nation. Uh, he, is, he is here to bless us. He's also here to bless many others through us. Jesus says, not I am the light of uh, the PCA. Uh, Not even I'm the light of all of those various P denominations. Nor that I'm the light of all of the uh, Orthodox Christians in the world. He says, I am the light of the whole world. So I just encourage us, especially as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper next week, just to reflect on our own heart's attitudes, our own orientations, and to ask ourselves if, if we have become like ancient Israel. And while we, we so gratefully enjoy all of the blessings that God has given to us, and rightly so, have we lost that perspective of who Jesus is when he says... I am the light of the world. And are we, in one way or another, participating in that light shining uh, into the darkness of the world that may just be across the street from us? Well, after he says, I am the light of the world, he says, whoever follows me. Uh, The word follow is, uh, uh, in Greek, is kind of like the word in English, and uh, all words have a range of meaning. I like to use green or bank as an illustration. Uh, Did you go to the bank last week? Well, what do you mean? 
did you go to the financial institution or did you go alongside the river? Uh, that was a nice bank shot. Pool or basketball? Uh, you can bank on it. Uh, words have a whole range of meaning. I just, language fascinates me. It convinces me that there's a God, the human brain, that out of all the meanings of bank, when somebody uses that word in a sentence, your brain instantaneously filters out all the wrong meanings and it just plugs the right meaning in. That's a pretty amazing processor we have as those who have been created in the image of God. Uh, This word can simply mean to move in the same direction behind somebody. Uh, John 11.31, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her. Uh, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. There's kind of like walking behind her in a parade. A little more profoundly, it can mean to accompany somebody who's taking the lead. John 6, 2, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. This is a more intentional following than just walking behind somebody. But then this word can also mean to be a disciple. John 1, 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Peter, he said, follow me. Or Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is intentionality to the max. So when Jesus says, whoever follows me, it's not just like who's in the parade behind me. It's not just following with some intentionality. It's following with a whole heart commitment. It's following as one who has become a disciple. That's what it means in our context. We could translate this, whoever is my disciple. That's a perfectly legitimate Uh, translation. So Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. When I was here a couple of weeks ago, we talked a little bit about darkness and like light, how pervasive the metaphor of darkness was. But when we when we kind of sift through all the uses of darkness in the Bible, and we put all those texts onto three-by-five cards, and we put them in shoeboxes, ends up that there are three shoeboxes in particular that have most of those cards in them. Darkness as an image. Uh, Darkness is an image, first of all, of ignorance. A lot of times in the Bible, darkness is used for ignorance and for folly. For example, Psalm 82.5. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. Ecclesiastes 2, 13 through 14. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. Often in the Bible, when we encounter darkness... It's the darkness of ignorance. Not in a pejorative sense, in a sense. It's, a, it's the darkness of just not understanding. Our Chancellor, Ligon Duncan, um, 
preached at Dr. Kistemacher's uh, a, uh, funeral yesterday. And afterward, I just, I just said to him, I so appreciate the fact that God has put you at the helm of RTS. Uh, his preaching is just, it's three things every time I hear him preach. It's just simple. Uh, and it was clear. And it was, it was balanced. Not going out to one extreme uh, or another. Uh, but one thing that he said, he, he, Dr. Kistemacher, and, and if, if you knew him, you'd understand this. He planned out his entire funeral service. And he picked, uh, for the scripture reading early on, Psalm 23, one of his, one of his 22 grandchildren, 18 of whom were there, uh, read. But the scripture text that he wanted was 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, so 1 Corinthians 13 was read. Uh, this fellow who, who has helped RTS get involved in Brazil and in Indonesia and who has written books and commentaries, who at 80 was learning Coptic because he wanted to write on the Gospel of Thomas, but he figured he couldn't do that if he couldn't read the Gospel of Thomas in the language in which it was originally written. So he's teaching himself Coptic. Phenomenal memory. What text did he want at his funeral? If I have all the knowledge in the world, but have not love. And um, Dr. Duncan just showed very clearly how in Paul's thought, knowledge leads to love. The goal of this teaching, says Paul, is love. And how we as Presbyterians so love the truth, and he really just challenged us to ask ourselves if we're maturing in that truth in such a way that it produces love. If not, it's really darkness. So, often in the Bible, darkness is an image of a lack of understanding. But because of that, darkness is then an image of evil. When you don't understand the difference between right and wrong, given your fallen human nature, you're going to clearly be inclined to evil because of not understanding. Proverbs 2.13 refers to those who have left the straight path to walk, walking being a metaphor for how we live, a lifestyle, who walk in dark ways. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. And so darkness and evil are often associated. And there is a logic here. Darkness as failing to understand who God is, and therefore darkness as living contrary to the way God intends his image bearers to live. Darkness as an image of ignorance, and therefore darkness as an image of evil. 
And finally, darkness as an image of death. Lack of understanding, resulting in evil, resulting in death. Job 10, 12, uh, 21 to 22. Job says, before I go to the place of no return, to the land of gloom and utter darkness, to the land of deepest night, utter darkness and disorder, where even the light is as darkness. Or Psalm 88, 12, Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? Darkness runs through the Bible as a motif, an image of ignorance, an image of the evil that results, and an image of the wage of that evil which is death. But notice Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. By the grace of God, you have been freed from that ignorance, that evil, and from death. Notice that Jesus says, we'll never walk uh, in darkness, with a, a particular emphasis on that lifestyle that characterizes believers, and that then avoids the darkness of death. Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's often in the Bible this putting off and putting on. Uh, When God brought Israel out of bondage at the time of the Exodus, did he just bring them out of Egypt and leave them in the wilderness? No, out of Egypt into the promised land. Paul says, take off the old and put on the new. Stop stealing and go get an honest job so that you can make an honest contribution to others. Uh, It's never just a removal of the negative. It's always a replacement of the negative with a positive. No vacuums in God's economy. Uh, They will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. They will have it. Remember, Jesus is the light. You get to have the light. John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. I trust that you've left the darkness and that you're in the light who is in Christ. Know also that doesn't matter who they are in your sphere of influence, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, If they believe in Jesus, they do not have to stay in that darkness of ignorance any longer. They do not have to stay in the darkness of evil ways, a darkness that leads to death. They too can be brought into the light because Jesus says, I am the light of the, I'm the light of the world. Jesus says, believe in the light. While you have the light, so that you may become children of 
light. You're not the light. Remember, we looked at that early on when, when some people thought that maybe Jesus, that John the Baptist was the light. And he says, no, no, don't get it confused. I am not the light. I only come to bear witness to the light. And in the same way, you are not the light. You don't become the light in the sense that you get somehow mixed with Jesus so that you are part of the great deity. But you do become children of light because of your mystical union with the light. It's impossible for you not to become light if you are united by grace through faith in the light of the world. And so Jesus says, uh, they will have. You become children of light. They will have the light of life. And while we could say, a lot about this because of how pervasive it is. Um, just note three things after one comment. Notice it's the light of life. Light and life go together. I, I once erroneously made a statement in a, in a um, sermon that I preached that, that, that um, there, is, there is no life where there is no light. And a wonderful friend of mine who um, knows his uh, ocean biology, what do we call that? Oceanography, whatever. He says, well, actually, Mark, there are things that live down on the bottom, way, way down where there is no light. I didn't know it that enough at that time to tell him, yeah, but that's only probably because stuff from up in the light realm drifts down to them so that they can eat it. But at any rate, except for maybe some odd situations, light and life go together. And uh, Jesus says, you shall have the light of life. I just want to undo those three darkness images. Because that's what the light does. The light shines and undoes the darkness. The light is the opposite of darkness uh, as an image of ignorance. Psalm 43, 3, send me your light and your faithful care and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Psalm 119, 30, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Whereas, whereas darkness is an image of ignorance. Light is an image of revelation, of understanding. That's why the word of God is coupled with the light. Because God's word brings people out of darkness. We, we read this morning. How is, how is the, um, the, the, what was it, Glenn? How is the preaching of God, you're the Dutchman among us. How is the preaching of God made made effectual unto salvation. And it talked about the coupling of the Holy Spirit and the preached word of God, bringing light and bringing understanding. It's the opposite of ignorance. We have so many privileges in our world today. Do you, many, do you know how many people don't have a Bible in their home, 
in their village, in their town. And I, I probably have I probably have twenty on my iPad. The the light that we have been given, what a blessing. And what a responsibility, right? To whom much is given, much is required. Okay, Clayton, I gotta I, I gotta just say at this point. It, you'd really do well to attend the Sunday school class on the five solas. Uh, you, what opportunities we have to grow so that, to go back to Lig's sermon, so that we can continue to mature in our knowledge and have that maturing knowledge produce a greater and greater love in us because we've been made in the image of God and God is love. So I just commend the class uh, to you as, as taking advantage of an opportunity to get rid of more of the darkness of ignorance. But light's also the opposite of the darkness of evil. John 3.19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, darkness, doing evil, acting in an evil way. But whoever lives by the truth comes to the light so that it may be plainly seen what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Uh, 1 John 1, 5 through 7, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is No darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. John Frame has explained so beautifully how every time we commit a sin, we've really broken every commandment. Because each of the commandments are just like a perspective on the divine will. And each commandment encompasses all the others, which is what the New Testament says when it says that if we keep the whole law and yet break just one, we're guilty of breaking all of it because it's all, it's like a fine china vase. You, you, you break just one part of the rim off, but the whole thing is broken. When we commit any sin, we're lying. Because we're not living out the truth. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If you walk in the light, you have fellowship with God. Oh, that could be heavy and misunderstood, couldn't it? As if your fellowship with God is dependent on how well you walk in the light. And not on how well Christ was the light for you. Your justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. By the revelation of the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. There's a little commercial for the five solas that you're going to talk about. Well, notice that if that were true, why would it say the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin? It would be, we don't need purification because of how well we walk in the light. 
So this is not undermining the, the, the scriptural teaching on justification by grace alone, through faith alone. It's not justification by walking in the light well enough. But on the other hand, notice that the text just does say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Justification by grace alone, through faith alone, does not dismiss in some magical way our responsibility to be responsible disciples who strive by the grace of God, in reliance on the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Uh, 1 John 2, 8 through 10, I am writing you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Who here can stand and say, the darkness is gone from my life completely? No, no, no ignorance No evil at all, the wage of which is death. None of us can. None of us can. But we rely on the fact that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. So that God doesn't any longer hold us guilty for any of the darkness that remains. And we are people of hope. Because the darkness, brothers and sisters, is passing. Sometimes that's hard to see, yes? Think of when you were little and you would see, you know, Aunt Matilda six months after you hadn't seen her before and she pats you on the head and says, my, how big you have gotten. You didn't notice, right? That growth to you was like imperceptible. But others could see that growth. And uh, sometimes the Christian life is like the stock market with all its ups and downs. And sometimes you are further behind in some areas than you used to be. But you're further ahead in other areas that you used to be. Just remember always, the darkness is passing. It is passing. And the light is shining. And so, if this morning happens to be a particularly dark morning for you. Be encouraged that Jesus is the light of the world. And because of that, the darkness is passing and the light is shining. And that as children of the light, you are children of hope because light is the opposite of darkness as an image of death. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, But I have come that you might have life in all of its abundance. That's the very last verse of our text for next week. That's at the very end of Jesus discussing the fact that he is the gate. So more on that next week. But let me just conclude by asking a question and answering it for you. If you're honest, perhaps there's not just a little bit of darkness that you can see in your life. Maybe there's a lot. But a little or a lot that you can see doesn't matter. Whoever breaks, keeps the whole law, but breaks just one is guilty of breaking it all. So it's kind of a moot point, yes. How is it that we can, how is it that we can 
hope to experience being children of light when by nature we are children of darkness. And this really also helps us prepare uh, for the Lord's Supper next week. Matthew 27, 45 to 50 says this. From noon until three in the afternoon. Good Friday. But it says darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. See, darkness is ignorance. Darkness is the ignorance that leads to evil. Darkness is the ignorance that leads to evil, that leads to death. That's the wage of our original nature. That's the wage of our actions. How can we expect anything but the darkness of death? How can we expect to have the light of life? You can have the light of life because Jesus has experienced the darkness of death for you. Always remember Good Friday. When you think of darkness in your life, when you think of darkness in the world, when you think of darkness as an image in the Bible, always remember Good Friday. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Jesus experienced a darkness that you will never know so that you can be children of the light. And that you can walk as children of the light. And that you can be a channel of the light to those around you who are still living in darkness. Let's pray.